0: If we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to, if we don't do it, Sky Will, the football podcast. We're back for a new season, 2022-23, a crazy roller coaster World Cup season where nothing is quite as we know it. But we're all here a week late. Uh, We stayed on our holidays, uh, but we're here for week two. All our teams have played twice. My name's Alexander Gross. I am a Tottenham fan. There's George Harker, Leeds fan, and Nick Gilmer. Manchester United. I suppose there's two ways of dealing with being a Manchester United fan at the moment. Either you shut up and retreat into a corner, or you discuss it all on a football podcast with your mates. <laughs> a warm welcome back to you, uh, Nick. Did you have a nice summer?
1: Uh, I did. Thank you very much. Yeah. I- I- ignoring I- football, maybe yeah.
0: enjoying the lionesses.
1: I uh, I enjoyed watching England conquer all uh, absolutely at the Euros, and uh, and otherwise I try to avoid the frustration of another
0: poorly run transfer window. (laughs) Exactly.
1: That's still going on.
0: (laughs) And that's George Harker. Welcome back, George. Still in the Prem.
2: Still in the Premier League. Great to be back. Would I still be on the podcast if we weren't? (laughs) Good question. I
0: I can tell our loyal listeners that you were an absolute nightmare to be around at the end of last season, but uh, everything was okay in the end. But it was touch and go, wasn't it, to say the least?
2: Yeah, 16... Very long minutes where one goal could have changed everything, yes, Um, but survived and uh, a much-needed summer break was enjoyed. So those of you out there
0: who did listen to us last year, thank you very much for your loyal support, first of all. And uh, you will know that we ended the season rather abruptly in April, and that was all my fault, your host, Alexander, because I was writing my book. It's called Over the Line a history of the England versus Germany football rivalry. It's coming out on September the 12th on Pitch Publishing, available Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, wherever you get your good books. And uh, I was always saying, I am writing a book. Now I can finally say, I have written a book. So it's all over and I can uh, focus again on this lovely weekly meeting with my mates discussing the Premier League and football beyond. Um, if you don't know our show yet... We are, as I've said, three friends of uh, very different football clubs in the Premier League. Sometimes there is enmity, sometimes there is friendship. Certainly little love lost between Leeds and Manchester United, I dare say. And there are a few clubs that none of us like. i leave that for you, the listener, to figure out. But whether you support one of our teams or a totally different team i'm sure you'll enjoy listening to us uh, each week either bemoaning our team's travails or celebrating the odd success except for nick of course who for whom that seems a long way off <laughs> we started last season uh, just around the time that it all went south for majesty united didn't it in the, in our first few shows it was it was the death throes of oligonar soul show wasn't it nick
1: Yeah, I'm still not convinced that this isn't some elaborate prank to just get me to really experience the woes of supporting a badly run football club in full 3D. Yeah, it's it's a harsh lesson, that's for sure. Yeah, (laughs) and it's uh, certainly not started better. It looks like this is going to be a long and gruelling slog.
0: And we're not on video yet, but I can assure you, listener, that George has a beaming smile as we discuss uh, United's (laughs) woes. Uh, So at the end of last season, Nick... You had uh, a couple more heavy defeats after all those that we did discuss. He had a four-nil slacking at Brighton, another four-nil at Liverpool. Was it three-one at Arsenal? And then it sort of petered out with uh, defeat at Crystal Palace as well. But essentially, everyone knew that uh, Ralph Rangnick wasn't going to stay. Then he said he <laughs> he wasn't even going to stay for his agreed uh, advisory role or whatever that was. And then you got in the man that you wanted, the man that you said uh, during last last year's shows that you wanted, Eric Ten Hag, the former Ajax coach. Then there was a lot of PR nonsense, as Roy Keane has called it, during during preseason, claiming that Man United had turned some corner, sort of corner, and Ronaldo stayed, but you didn't uh, you didn't really make any signings except That's... for a pygmy defender. So basically, as you said already, as you've as you've intimated, just a, another horrible. Horribly mismanaged window, yeah?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think what we're seeing is a 15, 16, 17 year period of lowering of standards coming home to roost, actually. Um, The end of last season is worth touching on because it's absolutely unimaginable that there's another football club in the world that would write off half a season, but that's essentially what United did under the pretext that they were lining everything up to go properly into this season. They'd got the, the director of football in place. They gave him the manager's job on the interim basis. They asked for his point of view and he confidently said it's open heart surgery, at which point that sounded quite expensive to the owners. So they gave him the flick in the summer. I think there's also an element of the new manager, Eric Ten Hag, not wanting to work under the watchful gaze of, of Ralph Rangnick. So I can see why that that happened. But it's clear that Ten Hag's come in expecting a very different summer than the United have had. And it's still going to be really interesting to see what happens if if nothing happens for United in the transfer window between now and the end of the month, because he has his professional reputation on the line. And I I get the sense that there's already feelings of broken promises and, you know, a lack of trust between his employer
0: and himself. Yeah, we're going to talk about your first two games, of course, Mm. later in the show, and then we'll talk about how much of this... Is or isn't his fault. I have uh, some views on that based on what's been said by pundits. But just in terms of outside Ten Hag's management role, coaching the team in terms of the decisions made by the club to get rid of all these players and only bring in uh, three with this short defender that I mentioned, Martinez, Ericsson on a free and uh, another guy from Holland called Malassia. I don't know anything about him. but And then the whole story about Frankie de Jong being pursued and it didn't work or hasn't worked. I don't know if there's any news. They've
1: essentially taken the worst squad of United's Premier League history. And we're yeah. aware that United have had some very dark days. But over the last 30 years, they've they've been there or thereabouts at the top of the table. And then year on year on year, since Ferguson retired, there's been a decline. Yeah. And they've taken the worst squad. They've let eight people leave. And they've not adequately replaced a single one of them. And it's no surprise to see United in this pickle. There wasn't a golden generation. They've also defunded the youth team over the last 10 years. So there isn't a load of kids waiting to get stuck in. And, and you know, it's, it's a disgrace. I think we can get into the ownership model. I think, to be honest... I think Burnley are in a worse place. They've been taken over in exactly the same way and they will disappear into obscurity because they've been relegated.
0: Yeah, and the entire squad was gutted. Yeah. Amazing where all their yeah. players have ended up.
1: And these leveraged buyouts. Including now.
0: one who scored against you, Ben Me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he um, you know, it's all very well being a United fan and complaining, of course the owners should go. What they've done is dreadful burnley could go in in their entirety because there isn't going to be the clamor for the global brand of burnley when they fall down the leagues um i expect united will rise back to the top in the future because it's a sport that rewards the biggest and richest yeah united have just been run awfully for 15 years and it's no surprise that a bad squad getting worse has resulted in them propping up the table after two matches
0: excellent summary thank you so on to happier notes george well, let's start with how you were feeling just before the end of last season.
2: <laughs> it, very slow death was, was, I think, how I referred to it on the pod. So Jesse Marsh
0: took over at the end of February, and then you had still mm-hmm. a couple of defeats under him uh, at the start as he was finding his feet. And then you had this run of three wins in four, including a 3-0 win away at Watford, and everything seemed to be... I think you even you relaxed at that stage, didn't you? This was mid-April.
2: Wow. We always had Everton's games in hand, but I don't think even the most cynical people like me thought they'd actually win all of those games in hand, which is, yeah. of course, what they did. <laughs> it was unfortunate. <laughs> As did Burnley. They they sacked Dice and won four on the bounce, I believe. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, with a caretaker manager. God knows where he is now. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it felt like a slow death. And then you had these incredibly tough fixtures, Manchester City,
0: Arsenal, Chelsea, and you lost them all. And then suddenly you found yourself down there in the drop zone, with two games to go.
2: Yeah, and the first, I believe, first team in 15 years, I think it is Wigan, the last team that were bottom, uh, in the bottom three on the last day and survived. So all the odds were against us and we are not the type of club that beats the odds. <laughs> On regular occasion. <laughs> so then you
0: stayed up, you had time to celebrate that, but then there were <laughs> also some interesting signings, quite a few from Germany, which interests me, having just written a book on English and German football.
2: Red Bull Leeds, um, yeah, as we know. Yeah, I mean, three <laughs> from the Red
0: Bull <laughs> franchise and one from Bayern as well.
2: And Jesse yeah. himself, of course, is from the Red Bull stock. Yeah, um, ex exactly. Salzburg. Yeah. yeah. So he's worked with all these players, has he? He has, yeah. And I'm going to say it's a, a terrible summer. Obviously, we lost our two best players. As everyone knows, and Phillips, who's made a very stupid decision, in my opinion, yeah. by going to Man City. Four minutes he's played so far, so that's going well. <laughs> and Rafinha, God knows, Rafinha might end up coming back if Barcelona can't register him. Yeah. Um. So we lost our two best players, obviously, and made seven or eight signings so far. Still desperately in need of a strikers. Bamford seems permanently crocked. He lasted barely twenty minutes, I think, on Saturday. Made of glass, yeah. Yeah, but I think. We've we shopped sensibly. we spent nearly 100 million, so we can't really complain that we've not made any. In comparison, Leicester have signed a goalkeeper from the Championship on a free. That's all they've done all summer, Leicester. So Leicester, yeah, I can't can't complain that we've not been busy, and we did already some very grumbles early.
0: from Brendan Rodgers, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I half expect him to go in the summer. To be honest, I feel like Leicester are going backwards, but that's another another story. So yeah, and so far so good. You know, four points on the board. It took us. 7 games last season to to win a game and even that was against Watford. We are bettering our corresponding fixtures from last season. We lost to Wolves last season and we and we lost to Southampton last season, so we're already doing better. It already seems like progress so far and we played some nice football. So coping with our two big losses well so far. Sato is very disappointing. It feels like a loss, when you? Two 0 up and draw two two with believe, yeah. like eight, eighteen minutes to go. But
0: but overall, you're you're positive ahead of this season that you can uh, stay up again and I, a little bit better, maybe.
2: I think so. And that, the, the chairman can't give his gob shot. He did a big interview with the Athletic, and he did he did say the first priority is survival again. So I'm glad the bar is still low. Yeah, so <laughs> we hopefully we can do that quicker than the ninety fourth minute of the last game this season. <laughs> Some realism, perhaps. Yeah, survival's the key. I do think that the Premier League might be more difficult this season. I think it's quite strong. Um, All three teams that have come up. Well, (laughs) Nottingham Forest have bought a whole new squad. So we'll see how they fare. It's going to be interesting.
0: A whole new squad and no shirt sponsor. Notable, yes. Yeah, I like it though but they had a win yesterday yeah. so they're on the board as far as I'm concerned we left it with me crowing about Harry Kane being the best player in the world and uh, us scoring more goals than pretty much everyone else uh, hammering in five against uh, Newcastle four away at Villa and then of course you have that uh, inevitable Spursy come down with a 1-0 home defeat to Brighton with a last minute goal from Leandro Trossard and you just thought oh here we go again and uh, the Gunners were going to overhaul us and stretch away and we couldn't win at Brentford either so more drop points but then we uh, won four of the last five and also drew at Anfield and of course what more do you have to say than 3-0 at home to Arsenal on the 12th of May uh, in a rescheduled game because they cancelled the January fixture, when they would have probably won because we were terrible. Because of COVID, they cancelled it short notice. And we played in mid-May, three games from the end, beaten 3-0 on a day when absolutely everything went wrong for them. Holding sent off, penalty conceded, all this stuff. It was just absolutely glorious. I was away, sadly, <laughs> doing my writing. I couldn't go to the game, but it was, uh, by all accounts, a fantastic night at the stadium. And then um, in a very uncharacteristic manner for for my club, needing a win on the last day to consolidate fourth and to finish above Arsenal for another season. We just absolutely coasted to a 5-0 win at Norwich with uh, two from Son, two from Kulusevski, one from Kane. And it was just a wonderful sunny afternoon. Uh, so that was unusual. Uh, and then what was also unusual, I think we can credit Fabio Paratici, our uh, kind of director of football, I think we call him, the guy in charge of the signings in, in liaison with Conte. Uh, we did our business early, which is very unlike Tottenham under Daniel Levy. But we signed um, Ivan Perisic, on a free Bisuma from Brighton. Rich for about 50 million pounds from Everton. Jed Spence from for- Nottingham Forest, but I think he was owned by Middlesbrough, wasn't he? And we also made a bit of money from selling Steven Bergwijn. So yeah, great stuff. And most importantly, we haven't sold any of our stars. And it looks like um, Kane is sticking around for one more year. So i uh, very pleased. And I'll get on to what then actually happened on the pitch shortly. But a lot of positivity around White out Lane, around Tottenham, um, Less from me personally, just because I have too much experience for that. But I'm still not too disgruntled. Okay, welcome back to part two. And uh, now we're going to discuss what has actually happened in the first two games of the season. And of course, we have to start with, you know where I'm going. uh, We have to start start at the bottom. We have to start at the bottom with the team with no points. And uh let's go in order. Let's go with the positivity ahead of Manchester United's first game on the Sunday of the opening weekend in the sunshine at Old Trafford. Some good vibes. Yeah, some be... some annoyance about the signings, of course, as we said, but there were good vibes about a new start, new manager, and then.
1: Yeah, the the summer has... The the signings and stuff is is another sport these days that sort of takes place on social, but you can't get away from the excitement of the sunny first day of the season. Yeah. Anything's possible for at least the first five or six minutes when the ball kicks off. But all of the optimism around a new manager somehow revitalising a group of players who somehow managed to finish second a couple of years ago evaporated quite quickly. And um, and I I think you could see even on his face that he realised... He's come into a club that needs an awful lot of work and it wasn't going to be a case of putting an arm around Rashford and suddenly he becomes the England left winger he was a few years ago. And Sancho, having had a year of settling in, is suddenly going to be the player that left Dortmund. He made a big call dropping Ronaldo, um, which I think most United fans agreed with, having... Spent most of the summer trying
0: to get out and not. It wasn't just that though, was it? It was also where he deployed Ericsson. And as a Spurs fan who loves Ericsson, I I thought that was very strange. And then obviously, in hindsight, just an awful decision. It, so uh, when people say, Of course, this isn't Ten Hag's fault because he's just walked in the door, I mean, those decisions were were his responsibility.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he's bought a very short centre back, as everyone's had a lot of fun with. And, yeah. you know, that it, there aren't a few, very many examples of short centre backs in the Premier League being huge successes. So the, he's made some questionable decisions immediately. I think Harry Kane keeping, uh, sorry, Harry Maguire keeping the captaincy is something that's really divided United's fan base as well Um, and it sounds like from the stories over the last 48 hours it's divided the dressing room as well you know they thought when Lingard and Pogba left that they'd gotten rid of the leaks but there's a big article in the Manchester Evening News this morning at time of speaking it was Monday talking about dressing room bust-ups the day before Brighton uh, the day before the Brentford thrashing and how You know, Ronaldo's influence is dividing the dressing room, as has the Harry Maguire captaincy. So it's a very unhappy camp. And clearly he's not spent a huge amount of time with the squad because he hasn't quite got a grip of that. And he is probably very quickly realising that it's a limited ability squad as well and trying to yeah. enforce the Ajax way on a bunch of players who are not capable of it. Right, is good problem. point. Yes,
0: I was going to say, if we zoom forward to Brentford this weekend, wasn't that more like the manager was actually trying to... Impose something because just the the manner of those goals. I think especially the second one where they're trying to play out from the back. He's trying to impose something, and it literally just either it's too early or, or they're incapable I, I think fundamentally it, of doing it. it.
1: The the problem that. Is- United have been trying to address all summer and have not yet been able to do is the fact that their midfield is not even a top 10 midfield in the mm-hmm. league. I think you look at teams like Wolves, you look at teams like Leicester their, their midfield is vastly superior. And and United You mean Fred and McTominay now? Yeah, and Fred and McTominay are now the only options because we let Pogba waltz out for nothing. Ghana doesn't seem to get a game. They're desperately trying to get De Jong in there like he's going to answer the problems. But um, well, there's not a huge number of Ajax central midfielders who have dominated the Premier League. Obviously, he's spent some time at Barca and they seem desperate to get rid of him. Uh, but is he going to... there's an awful lot of pressure on him if he does sign... And if he doesn't sign, the optics have just made the club look even more stupid and devalued the brand even more. So at this stage, you have to wonder why they can't see Ruben Neves sat at Wolves, why they can't see and sat at Leicester in the last year of his contract, who are proven Premier League players. Um, So United's problem is the central midfield is not good enough to protect the defence and not good enough to start the attack. And United will always suffer and and I think the other problem that he has that is really deep rooted is the mentality of that team when things go wrong they fold they buckle there is no one yeah absolutely grabs the game and calmly knows what to do and and I think that's the biggest concern for a United this season is start well they might get onto a roll and that that's what happened under Ole Start so you, you lost you lost 4-0 see...
0: to Brighton at the back end of last season, as I mentioned. And this one against Brentford now had that end-of-season vibe, didn't it? Of sort yeah. of, oh, well, this game's gone, why bother? But it's it's like week two of the season and they're folding like yeah. that. It's incredible.
1: And, and you go into the Liverpool game and I don't think anyone's giving United a hope. And, and suddenly you're in September and United have got no points. And who's the leader in that dressing room saying you you're embarrassing the, the, the club. I don't. I don't think there is anyone. I think the one person you might look to is Ronaldo, and he's desperately trying to get out.
0: Yeah. Um, do you think he'll manage?
1: <laughs> I think the club now is such a basket case. I couldn't predict what they would do. I. I you know, it would be a very they also seem to float their thoughts out on Twitter in a leak to see. You know, Vardy's been mentioned this morning.
0: Yeah, and the whole it story. Yeah. yeah,
1: it seems like they're making decisions by committee based on what's popular. You know, that's no. You know, if, if the manager wants an Anautovich, go and get him. Anautovich, of course, Anautovich isn't good enough, and of course, his history of racism should preclude him from any club that worries about his brand quite as much as United does. But um, either you back your manager or you don't. It's just a weak club and a badly run ineffective yeah. business that is going one way i think um i genuinely genuinely mean it when i say they're so rotten that they could end up going down mm. it could be that story you know probably the biggest story since leeds went down sorry george but, you know there's a lot of talent in that team but literally i don't know where the next goal's coming from let alone result
0: that's probably even bigger than leicester winning the league isn't it united going down
1: yeah although you might you might find that you look back on it in 10 years and you say well of course that's 15 years where they've just shrunk the squad they've not replaced them year after year after year they were badly run and you might look back on it and might not be quite surprised that it might feel like is it
0: is i have to challenge you now on that because is it possible to really affirm that with how much money has been spent because there's barely anyone who's spent more Yeah, this sort of argument of shrinking the squad, wasn't the squad in fact bloated for many years with far too many ostensibly good players on massive wages?
1: Yeah, I, I do take the point that United have spent an awful lot of money the problem is that they've been so badly run that they've never spent it wisely. And there's a stat on Monday Night Football this evening, actually, which is the red, amber and greens of United's transfer business over the last decade. And there were two greens that Gary Neville mentioned. One was Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Bruno. And and the other was Bruno. And I think Bruno is a bit of a stretch, to be honest, because Bruno has been dire for a year. Yeah. Um, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic played for a year and, and then he did his knee. So, um I think, of course, they've spent a lot of money, but by United's standard, they haven't. Our actual might in the market has been undermined for a long time. And, of course, they've spent it so badly and they've had such chances and bankers making the footballing decisions that every single transfer is questionable.
2: It's it's barely believable that spending money, you're going to have to now because the season started. If you want to get players of any calibre, you're going to have to... Pay over the odds because they're all to be playing for their clubs, and your squad now might be your squad for the season. Yeah, because it's too late now to be signing Diong as an example. Like, surely they must have had some sort of intuition that he wanted to come, otherwise they wouldn't have bothered just going for the first place. So. But it yeah. doesn't sound like he does.
1: You know, now Rabiot has been talked about in France, who is, of course, the best player you want to drop into a troubled dressing room. But but straight away... <laughs> and you're morning, haggling with his mum. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and today it's now been leaked that James Garner is on the market for exactly the same amount of money that we're trying to spend on Adrian Rabiot, So And he's it's...
2: exactly the type of young player you were talking mm. about that should be given a chance. He's very highly start. rated. Yeah.
0: One thing I really agree with you on, Nick, is there's something that you said a few times last season when I thought it was hyperbole. And at the start of this season, now I completely agree which is when you said that United are the easiest team in the league to play. Yeah, I really agree with that, having seen what Brighton and Brentford got out of you. George, let me ask you, are you looking at the calendar and seeing when you get to play these guys?
2: No, no, as Nick's jokes offline, that's when their season will start. And, uh... <laughs> You three be, points you, you, of the season. You'll be waiting a long time for them, though. I don't think we play for another couple of months. We'll get
1: we'll get six points this season. They'll both be against
0: Leeds.
2: <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be like <laughs> Newcastle. You'll get your first win in, in November. <laughs> I'm quite
0: keen, but it's not till mid October. And uh, obviously, last season somehow that Man United rabble did the double over Tottenham. So there's there's a lot of hunger from our side. I am
1: sort of off the mind now. I know a lot of people are taking a lot of pleasure from this, and I think <laughs> watching a club in existential crisis summer after summer is entertaining i'm sort of now a mind. i want to see how bad it could get like going yeah. down would be front page news that wouldn't just be back page news and i think yeah. um yeah i mean there's you know there's a question around whether or not we're even you know it seems the manager walks in on the first day with a list of players and our entire transfer strategy changed that day and is that any way to run a club where we churn up managers every you know i could easily see a world where ten hard walks away inside the next fortnight Mm-hmm. if he is left with this squad as you say alex that's a that's a real there's a real chance that could happen is he going to drag his professional reputation through that through a year of this or probably six months until we sack him and bring in carrick as an interim like i don't know funnily enough i, I sort of feel like the most damaging thing that could happen to the glazers is for him to do that in the
2: next fortnight but uh
1: it's going to be a fun ride for everyone else isn't it
2: you have to question his decision to take the job. I agree. I think place. he's underestimated
1: yeah. it. I think yeah. you can see it on his face as well. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with your point. I don't think Brighton will have an easier game of the seat than the one they had on the first day, and I don't think Brentford will either.
0: My namesake yeah. Pascal Gross had a stormer, didn't he? Do
1: you know what? I don't even know. I would agree with that. I don't think either of them played particularly well, and yet they comfortably <laughs> beat United. I think I don't think Brentford broke a sweat.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, on Match of the Day, there was a lot of, let's give them credit. They were fantastic, Brentford, fantastic. You watch those goals back. I mean, it was candy from a baby, wasn't it? Yeah. United beat themselves, and they do often. Think every goal. I can't think of one that wasn't, maybe the last one was a sort of well-executed move, but that was because United were totally overcommitted by then. I'll tell you what's definitely one
1: for true before we move on to happier news. Um, Yes. It's going to get worse before it gets better
2: yeah that is happy well, news <laughs> alright let's go on to the leads then again our loyal <laughs> listeners will know
0: that we record on Monday nights so at the moment your next opponents Liverpool are playing George is doing the watch along for us what's going on mm-hmm.
2: there yeah Palace are comfortably 1-0 up to be honest and don't look like conceding anytime soon so let's see I think that raises a
0: little smile for all of us, but maybe especially for Nick. Although, would you you want to play them if they've only got one point after two games? (laughs) I said
1: to my mates this morning, I said, we really want Liverpool to batter Palace. Otherwise, next Monday night, is going to a very (laughs) much. First day of the season starts here, feel for them. And they're going to come hungry. And uh, that's the last thing United need.
0: Just before we get on to uh, Leeds, did we did we all watch a bit of Liverpool Fulham on the first weekend? Because that was really good, and I thought yeah, I thought that was the kind of game that would be ruined by five subs, um, because Agreed. Liverpool could bring on mm. so much firepower, and I thought they'd just run out and win it. But um, Fulham did really well. I
1: do hate five subs. I think Actually, it's, yeah, me too. It's so geared around. Yeah. Tourists who just want to see their star get 10 minutes at the end. And I get player welfare, but I, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't think two extra subs is going to stop injuries. And it just helps the bigger clubs get better. It justifies these ridiculous transfers like Phillips going to Man City. Yeah. Everyone outside of Liverpool, Chelsea, United, and Liverpool who voted for it, I, I would hang their heads in shame because you've, instantly disadvantaged your club for every game of the season.
0: I think the worst take I heard on it was from Rio Ferdinand on BT. Crouchy had a few good things to say against it and he he dared to put his head above the parapet. But Ferdinand just towed the line completely and said that he thought it was good because fans want to see more of their players. Yeah, I don't get it. And that, as you said, that is that is absolutely just maybe, maybe tourists from halfway around the world want to see a few more squad players when they visit for their one time at the stadium. But I, I can tell you, I don't need to see more French players when I've paid a lot of money to see my team play. I want to see the first 11 and I want to see them win. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think um, they could have done what they've done in Italy, which is maybe extend the benches. You have more of the squad on the bench so that when you are winning comfortably, you get kids to have a chance like like Foden has had at City you know last 10 minutes of matches that were comfortably won because these big clubs otherwise they've got seven internationals sat there and I just don't see a path into the first team for players like James Garner at United
0: Welcome back to part three, and it's time for a bit more happier news. So, George, a good start to the season, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I'd have bitten your hand off for four points in the first two games. Like I said, it it took a long time, mid to late September, to get our first win last season. So, yeah, delighted with a solid start in the Europe places.
0: Are you able to <laughs> identify a new style of play on the Marsh?
2: Oh, very much so. It's actually called Penis Ball, (laughs) because he has four at the back and then two, two, two. Who calls it that? Just the Leeds fans? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the Red Bull we're playing, unfortunately. I hate to admit it, which is very, you know, tried and tested over the years. It's very high energy. It's very high pressing, which, of course, we were accustomed to under Bielsa, but without the the burnout and the plethora of injuries, hopefully.
0: Sorry, is that the four-two-two-two that Rangnick mm-hmm. tried to play on yes. his
2: first home
0: game at United? So why does it work so. better for Marsh and Leeds? Marsh, is because okay? he's
1: not got a crown academy <laughs> in the squad?
0: Obviously, they're both from the Red Bull uh, yeah, franchise, and we, aren't yeah. they? Rangnick and Marsh. But it, it, what seemed problematic when they tried at United was
2: the obvious lack of width. Is that not uh, shown itself? It, it did towards back end the last season and in pre-season. But I think... I don't know if it's fan pressure or what, but there's been there was so much talk about width, width, width. He seems to have got the message because you've got Jack Harrison, who had an amazing first season in the Premier League, who was um playing much further back or centrally, which is not his position, he's a winger. Um, and obviously had Rafinha, who's a born winger, and they were both too much inside. So no, we've seen a lot more width at the start of this season. And uh, on Saturday, I had uh, Ralph Hassenhull, who's also obviously from Red Bull Stable, um playing the exact same formation as style, and it was a well, ended in a draw, obviously, because they played yeah. the exact same style of football. But it's it's looking positive. The signings seem to have been in really well. We made them all before pre-season, which is very unlike us. So they've all had time to adjust. We still have injuries. We had six people out injured for the first game, but hopefully that'll that'll change. Um, and Maybe we can make use of the five-subs rule. But um, yeah, so far, so good. Looking forward to Chelsea? More than I was at the end of last season, when yeah. I stu- <laughs> stupidly made the trip from the Isle of Man to go and watch us get battered 3-0. Yeah, I I watched your game and I don't necessarily fear playing them. And it's it's at Ellen Road, so no, looking forward to it. And then you've got Barnsley. Nice little break. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've got horrible Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday, Monday, I think, our next four games. There's yeah. quite a lot of games to get through. Barnsley in the League Cup. We have got quite a favourable start. I think Chelsea's our only sort of top five, six teams in the first You go away to Brighton where
0: you're definitely going to look at scoring one or three points.
2: (laughs) Yeah, very much so. And then I think we've got Everton at home, which should be a guaranteed three points, surely. They're going down. So, yeah, a favourable start. it would be good to get some decent points on the board for the uh, winter break. Well, of course, the return of um, the
0: much-loved Frank Lampard to Ellen Road at the end of August with Everton, yeah. If he's still there, yeah. yeah.
2: Nick,
1: did you see Melier's howlers this weekend? I didn't, unfortunately, but I just, I just know that they're there.
2: <laughs> he was man of the match in the first game? So, yeah, he let down. one right through
1: him. Did he? <laughs> I, I wouldn't swap David De Gea for him. Let's say that. Even uh, after even yeah, after yeah, the I last was,
2: game, I wow. was
1: joking. I was joking. I think to be honest, a training came. David De Gea there. looks <laughs>
0: troubled at best. Yeah. (laughs) So on we go to the Tinder box that was Stamford Bridge. Who watched this game? Yeah, best game of the season so far. Fantastic! It's
1: it's the best game of the season consistently at the moment, year after year.
0: So everyone's saying that. Um, you said it yesterday during the game. Fantastic uh, fixture, so much fun. Lots of uh, match reports saying the same thing. It was a an advert for the Premier League and all of that. George, you got an update from Anfield?
2: Yes, big summer signing Darwin Nunes has just knotted someone (gasps) and been sent off. I know why. Oh, right. Is can you uh, can you confirm that the
1: pitch is dry?
2: <laughs> and is yeah. it still one nil? Still one nil, and he's not going off quietly. So could be repercussions.
1: I don't know if you can see that, I've had eighty WhatsApps
0: about
1: right. this.
2: <laughs> Sorry to interrupt.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Hashtag breaking news live on the pod.
0: A meeting of troubled giants next Monday, then Nick. Maybe that is. And it oh, looks like I'm, I'm giddy. <laughs> their big signing will be suspended, so that'll be good. Right, yes, so back to... Yeah, I was saying everybody's waxing lyrical about how much fun it was at Stamford Bridge yesterday. I'll tell you, I was once again exasperated. And George, I know you're going to be annoyed with me because you think I complain too much. But, you know, we played as recorded on this pod very much. Uh, with my rants, we played Chelsea three times in the space of just a few weeks at the start of this calendar year with two legs in the League Cup semi-final and away in the league. Uh, we lost all of them. I went to the one at home, but particularly the two at Stamford Bridge, we were inert and useless and he had only just taken over and he was trying to imprint upon us this uh, three at the back two wing back two wing backs which frankly weren't good enough and uh it just wasn't working there was no chances at all Tuchel had the measure of him tactically I can't remember seeing a worse performance than the game I went to for for very, very many years. Uh, And I was just so frustrated at the fact that he kept doing it. So in these three games, he didn't change. He kept trying the same system, kept doing it. And uh, and you think, well, he's just taken over. It's a new tenure at at the club for him. He's here for many years, we hope. So let him have a go. But once again, he goes to Sanford Bridge, does the same, picks the same team as every week, the same formation. And he is again tactically outclassed by Chelsea, who I have to say were really excellent. They were excellent and Tuchel had it just right. And, you know, the likes of Kante and Jorginho, they were really all over us. They snuffed out every opportunity for a counter-attack. All those things that worked in when we had good results against City or Liverpool last year, uh, they knew exactly what to stop and where to stop it and lo and behold, once again, after an hour, he abandons his system that he believes in and stubbornly sticks to so much, changes to four four two, brings in Richarlison. And yeah, OK, we didn't win. But I mean, it, it worked to the extent that we were better. We've been praised for it in the press. And obviously, we fortunately got that last minute goal, which was absolutely sweet with everything that was going on on the touchline and, and also the way that the whole stadium celebrated their second goal from Rhys James. It was it was wonderful to see our away end celebrating like that. And it was good and it left a, a happier taste. But yeah, ju- I can't say that I found that enjoyable. And I, I, felt I, can't, like I the... can't even say that I thought it was a sort of great contest in the Premier League because I thought really they were just steamrolling us for, for over an hour.
1: It felt like that goal for Spurs, even though it's only the second week of the season, it felt like in its context, it was quite, it was quite massive. Yeah. For Spurs' ambitions, if they'd been swatted aside as as easily as as Chelsea were doing in the no, first half. No, I, I don't like, know
0: if you saw Match of the Day 2 last night, but Jermaine Judas said, it was quite a funny sentence if, if you take it out of its context, but he said, for them to play that badly and get the result, a draw, mind you, yeah. was a massive, massive step forward. So it's yeah. quite funny to think that to play badly is a massive, massive step forward. But I do agree with him in, in the sense that in those games last year, there, there wasn't even a hope of anything, let alone a point. That is good. But I am frustrated that he that he thinks that it's fine to go to the same place, the same opponent for the fourth time and try the same thing that that has evidently not worked at all. But okay, we'll see. We've got Wolves next. Um, Wolves are involved in all these nil nils we talked about them being quite dull last season and they've kind of started like that i know you beat them on the opening day but... i think there's a real
2: danger of them going down actually they've another one they seem to be going backwards um play horrific football under bruno large yeah um, i listened to a post-match fan podcast with leeds and wolves fans and they're sick of him quite frankly so um, an equalizer there yes yeah one one louis equalizer diaz equalizer at
0: anfield okay
2: Yeah, I think. Yeah, no.
0: So, are are they going to be the type of team that could uh, frustrate us all afternoon, or are they going to play? I don't think so. No, not
2: without Mercurial Connor Cody at the back. Surely not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, running joke there, listener. I don't like Connor Cody, (laughs) but okay. No, I'd, I'd I would back an easy three points for you there. Connor Cody is to me
0: what Tyrone Mings is to George. You got one of those, Nick. Both of the ones you've mentioned.
1: Um, (laughs) I've got the opposite. Maguire, surely. I've got (laughs) (laughs) anyone who's put on the United shirt in the last 18 months. um, uh, I've got a bunch of weird cult heroes that no one else likes. I I love Mitrovic. What a player.
0: Yeah. And we all had him in our team that first week and benched him, didn't we? Because it was Liverpool. (laughs) And then he got all the points. Yeah. Uh, Maybe some more fantasy football chat as the season carries on this year um, because it's always a bit of fun and I know a lot of people a lot of listeners will be playing as well I just want to mention something on the note of Harry Maguire that came out of my research so I was writing about pretty much every tournament certainly researching every tournament that England have played in 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 charting the history of the of the national team and I was writing about the 2018 World Cup and I found a quote from Henry Winter in the Times where he said that Maguire quote bestrode this tournament like a colossus so <laughs> I just thought it was a great quote for us to consider how far how far, and how fast he's fallen from that assessment.
1: Yeah, the thing, without wishing to go back to United for long, <laughs> the fact Please that do. We, we have Champions League winning, World Cup winning Varane sat on the bench behind him, is going to go down in history as one of the weirdest footballing decisions. People will just yeah. show a picture of that lineup up and the 4-0 yeah. loss. And, and then also the
0: also the fact that the likes of Chelsea signed Thiago Silva and you think he's going to be too old but he slots in and he and he plays fantastic and now Koulibaly clearly is good enough as well. Yeah. Uh, His dude. finish. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go through it all now. I think George will <laughs> remember some of these from years ago, but there's so many Chelsea defenders, fullbacks, centre backs that have got their one goal for the yeah. season, or maybe even for the decade, and it's always against us. I mean, Carvalho
2: springs to mind from thirty years Oh, yards.
0: Carvalho, um, <laughs> Jeremy, Macalelli, uh, Del Horno. Oh, there's there's a lot. Yeah, maybe Mario Melchiot. I can't remember. I mean, you choose how far you want to go back, but they all get a goal against us. Koulibaly, the latest. Anyway, shall we wrap it up there for this week? Next week, we've got... Well, Nick, you said you found a way to get out of having to be in our company as you get uh, your pants pulled down by Liverpool. So I'm uh, going
1: into hiding for a week, maybe longer. Let's see so yes, happens. listener,
0: as last season, we will have Friends of the Show on now and then, especially when somebody needs to uh, skip a week. So expect uh, a fresh voice next week. George will be with me, of course. You've got Chelsea. I've got Wolves, so let's hope there's more points for us to celebrate. And uh, as we as we continue this season, we'll talk more about the strange structure uh, with the World Cup wedged in the middle of it. There's eight games before an international break, then another eight games before the World Cup, and then we're all back on Boxing Day with the league. So we'll talk a bit more about that. And whenever there's time, we'll also squeeze in um, stuff from abroad, international football, what have you, any other business, etc. Anything we care to mention, really? Um, thanks for listening, and uh, thank you, Nick, for joining us, especially given your club circumstances. Always a pleasure. <laughs> More front than south end, and uh, <laughs> George, I'm glad you're calmer than you were in April and May.
2: Give it time. I,
0: I thought I was going to lose back. you there.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, good to be back.
0: See you next week, guys. Thank you so much. Bye bye.
2: See ya.